On your Tuesday episode of Locked On Raptors, we're back from Thanksgiving and we have a preseason game to talk about. We will dig into our biggest takeaways, some massive overreactions, and a return of the good, the bad, and the hmm as we get into the first preseason win for your Toronto Raptors over the Kings on Sunday with Vivek Jacob of Raptors.com. Let's get to it. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on and welcome to another episode of Locked On Raptors, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Tuesday, October the 10th, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for 10 seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can go find the show on Instagram at Lockdown Raptors. And most of all, you got to be joining the Lockdown Raptors Discord server, baby. The link is in the description. It's a great place to hang out, especially during games. I was not online during the first preseason game. Is that was that? Was that? I was at my parents in Prince Edward County, where their internet is the slowest internet I've ever seen, so I couldn't watch the game until I got back. Uh, but either way, most of the time, during games this season, I will be in the Discord, dropping my thoughts as the games unfold, not on uh, the site formerly known as Twitter quite as often, because it's a bad website. Either way, I uh, would love to see you in the Discord. The link is in the description of the podcast. You can also find the show for free on your favorite podcast apps. Subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend, put the notification bell on so you never miss an episode. And thanks for being everyday listeners of the show. We love our everydayers. They're the very, very best. My best friends, actually. Uh, that doesn't speak well of me. We'll continue. <laughs> Let's get into it. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code LOCKEDINNBA for $20 off your first purchase. And let's get to it. We've got our preseason game in the books. Vancouver seemed like a glorious host city for Raptors Kings on Sunday. And here to break it all down is our pal Vivek Jacob. Big V, the hoops are back. It's cold weather outside. This is our time, baby. It's our time to shine. It's our time to shine. I think the Raptors uh, made a good start yeah. in preseason. I was uh, encouraged with uh, the overall you know, unselfishness. Mm -hmm. Obviously, selfishness was uh, the theme of Media Day. And so to see 30 assists on 39 made field goals was definitely encouraging sign. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no doubt about it. We're going to get into our, our biggest takeaways from the game. We'll get into some overreactions. You know, we've each picked one thing we're going to really overreact about from a single solitary preseason game. Uh, and we will also round it out with the return of, of course, the classic segment after every Raptors game. It's named horribly, but it gets the job done. The good, the bad, and the hmm. We'll get into that a little bit later on. But let's begin with our biggest takeaways. Big V, for you, what was your biggest takeaway from the Raptors' 112-99 preseason victory over them Sacramento Kings? Beyond the passing and the 30 assists and all that, you watch that starting unit, and it was like, yeah, Jakob Pertl is going to be very important to how mm -hmm. things go. <laughs> mm -hmm. And obviously just being involved uh, a ton with the high post elbow actions, and I think, you know, his reads are going to be super critical. I think how, uh, you know, active they are with their movement off ball is going to be critical. And, you know, I think over the course of the season, when someone is that pivotal to uh, an offense, I think 
being able to look for his own and make the most of his opportunities is going to be really important too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, Yak as that elbow hub, we'll get into some of the good and maybe just sort of like stuff I'm interested to keep watching as they try to massage it, especially the Scotty and Yak dribble handoff stuff. We'll get into that in a sec. But uh, I do think overall, yeah, as a hub, he's a great passer. He, you know, bringing him away from the basket, obviously, is a way to sort of, you know, uh, just sort of create some space that otherwise wouldn't be there if he were just kind of hanging out in the dunker spot or, or rolling to the basket uh, with great frequency as just like a regular, you know, pick and roll dive man. Uh, and that's going to be, you know, the passing's great. I think also when he is running pick and roll with Dennis Schroeder, I think he makes a good target for him, right? He's an excellent pick and roll role man. There was a couple times where the Kings blitzed Schroeder and it was just like a really quick pass to Yak. You got him going downhill with his great vision. I think he had a couple dump off passes for dunks and stuff like that. Um, that is where Yak is really going to be excellent, I think, and sort of vital to this team. I still am curious how it works for him just as a traditional pick and roll dive man without a pull-up shooting threat running pick and roll with him you know our team's going to tag him a little more aggressively to sort of you know you know sit back and sort of keep him from getting those easy targets uh you know we'll see again if you're gonna blitz dennis Schroeder all day that's great do that i would love to see that be the base defense for teams up against the toronto raptors but i imagine we won't quite see that uh with most teams obviously the sacramento kings you know it's a preseason game number one but also not as an especially stout defensive team overall uh bottom five i believe last season so there will be bigger tests to come but certainly i thought uh, the offense did look a, a little more intentional a little quicker and a little bit just sort of not so gummy that said, I think my biggest takeaway, Big V, is that I do think the sort of core challenge is going to be pretty much the same for this year's Raptors team compared to what it was last year. I think we will see a lot of possessions, maybe not necessarily be the one guy dribbles for a whole lot of time, but I do think there will be a lot of resets of this offense. And particularly, I mentioned the Scotty barnes yaka uh handoff actions. You know, I think that is something I'm really fascinated to see if teams just continually switch that all the time. They switched it a ton in this game. Um, you know, the the, the, the the parts where they actually used it, obviously, you know, it's, it's one game, it's a tiny sample, but they were pretty eager to just, you know, switch that off and dare Scotty Barnes to get around and turn the corner on whoever was guarding him. A couple of times, he kind of buried his chest into Keegan Murray. Couldn't quite turn the corner around him, but buried his chest, got in close, scored from close range. That was great to see. That's something Scotty can do. Um, but I do wonder just how much space they're going to be, gonna be able to create with those handoffs especially when it's two non-shooters doing them with yak and scotty you know i think yak and gary has a lot of potential i think even like yak and pascal because pascal can kind of turn that corner a little quicker has a lot of potential the yak scotty thing i'm gonna have really a close eye on to see how those handoff actions work because frankly i'd love to see scotty as the handoff hub in more cases than we saw in this game um, you know, there was one instance in the third quarter where they ran the, the dribble handoff on the wing and they switched JaVale McGee onto Scotty and Scotty blew by him with his left hand for a dunk. That was very encouraging. Not every defender who's going to be in that spot is 2023 JaVale McGee. But, you know, for me, I, I do think just sort of the, the lack of pull-up shooting, the, the, the similar size of a lot of these guys, it is going to dare teams to switch. Are you envisioning that being sort of like a core challenge for this Raptors team to sort out? And how do you think they can maybe work in some counters when teams are just going to switch very liberally and dare Scotty Barnes and others to sort of make stuff happen in those one-on-one -on -one situations? As you sneeze on podcast, I'm going to clip that. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was trying to get rid of it. I was trying. We've to got get the rid thumbnail, of it. baby. And then I was like, <laughs> you know what? It's happening. Um, 
continuing to sneeze at uh, the Raptors three point shooting. That is probably the one thing <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Raptors won't change from last season to this. I think that's going to be a huge weakness. Uh, and, you know, you look at the names uh, down the roster, obviously you expect good things from Gary. Uh, you expect good things from OG. Um, and then beyond that, we don't know what Grady Dick's p- playing time will look like. Uh, we don't know what the improvements might potentially look like uh, for Pascal uh, in that regard. So, yeah, three-point shooting, I think, is the main thing that is going to encourage these teams to just say, hey, let's switch, let's give them the space, and then, you know, uh, we can make up for it. And there's obviously going to be those random hot nights where mm-hmm. the shot's going down, and it's like, oh, okay. This is what it could look like if this, uh, you know, is the theoretical ceiling. But uh, I think that is probably the biggest thing that you look at um, and say, that is probably not going to change a a whole lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it just has to be, I think, you know, just to to say that I think it's going to look very similar to a lot of the sort of tough possessions last season. It's not to say I don't think they can be a better offensive team. Like it's not hard to be better than they were in the half court last year. They were pretty near the bottom. And I think, you know, there are ways to counter it, right? A little bit more sort of, you know, quick pass outs when uh, you realize you don't have that advantage. I think some stuff where you kind of work off the ball, I was actually pretty encouraged with Pascal as like a second side creator, right? Where, you know, Scotty has the initial action. He kind of drives in. Maybe he can't get an edge, but maybe you run like a pin down on the weak side and Pascal's coming around with a head of steam. You can hit him with that pass and then he can make stuff happen there. Uh, You know, there are ways around it. And I also think... You know, as they get more comfortable, I think the weaponization of the Scotty, Pascal, Yak trio and their passing will probably get a little bit more easier, a bit more chemistry, a bit more understanding of when the cuts are coming, when the openings are going to be there. Like, this is all stuff that'll get ironed out. But I still think, like, the core challenge is going to be how do you avoid kind of devolving into iso ball when teams are daring you to do that with their switching? And I do think we saw a couple sort of longer possessions where they had to reset a few times, kind of get bailed out by late threes. OG had one on the wing, for example, a very contested three right at the buzzer that I think was kind of um, indicative of the type of possession we might see quite a bit this year. But uh, that said, you know, if you're playing with more intention, yeah, what's up? Since since you brought up the OG three, one of my observations was that, you know, it looks like OG is going to be locating above the break a lot more yeah Um, exciting yeah so yeah just wanted to add that yeah that's a good thing for sure and and yeah i I think you couple that with what i think is probably going to be a much more potent transition attack just on a per possession basis uh and i think you know we'll 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 see them you know probably do what they did last year and sort of bring up their bad half court offense with a better transition attack also found it interesting in this game maybe we save this for the hmm but you know they, they lost they won this game despite getting outshot by 14 field goal attempts what a world. Uh, <laughs> they played non-gimmick turnover game. They had 11 more turnovers than the Kings and still found a way to win. So that was exciting to see. Um, you know, first game, all that stuff. But definitely some encouraging things to build upon here. Uh, we'll come back on the other side and get into a thing that I really feel strongly about. And because we're going to have overreaction theater, I will get above and beyond in my strong feelings about it coming up in just one second. We're going to talk about our overreactions to the first 
game of the preseason. Before that, however, got to tell you, better friends over at Game Time, who are the place that you want to be going to right now if you're looking for tickets for your next big event, whether it's well in advance or especially right on the day of the event, Game Time gives you incredible deals. It's the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. They got killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee. Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. With zone deals, you can pick the section in Game Time picks the seats for an average of 18% savings. That's pretty awesome. And the Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. There's no reason to not use Game Time the next time you're in the market for tickets for an event. And hey, we got preseason basketball. The Raptors are back home on Sunday for their first preseason game. Go check them out. Go use Game Time. Try to get those tickets for those games. Download the Game Time app. Create an account. Use the code LOCKEDONNBA for 20 bucks off your first purchase to take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets. Lowest price. Guaranteed. All right, we continue on here, picking apart the first Toronto Raptors preseason game of the era 112-99 win over the Kings. A reminder, the show is available every single day, all throughout the season, Monday through Friday, uh, Thanksgiving Monday, notwithstanding, of course. Uh, so please be sure to subscribe, tell a friend, rate, review, be here every single day. And the formula you get for these game recap pods will be very similar throughout the year as well. It's quick, it's digestible, it's good stuff, baby. All right, Big V. It's overreaction time, of course. One preseason game in, it means we have to draw grand sweeping conclusions. I will give it to you first. What was your big one overreaction that I've asked you to prepare for this game? So actually, I'm going to pass it back to you because I think oh! I know. Keeping with the unselfish theme here. <laughs> Look at this. Everything's different. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> I think I know what your overreaction is. Yeah, and I think it's better that you go first, and then I can give you mine. Well, look at this. What a the simpatico between us as hosts is unbelievable. Uh, yeah, my overreaction is Gary Trent Jr. needs to start uh, full on. This is what I believe. I thought this was the case coming into the season, and the first preseason game has convinced me without a shadow of a doubt that this is exactly the starting lineup the Raptors got to go with. Scotty Barnes, Gary Trent Jr., OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, and Yaka Pertle. This is nothing against Dennis Schroeder, who was perfectly cromulent in this game. Six points, five boards, five assists. He hit a three. That was good to see. He didn't take any twos in this game, which is interesting, and I think kind of carries over um, what we know about Dennis Schroeder, which is he can get to the rim. He's not really going to shoot or score at the rim with all that much efficiency, but he can get there. Uh, you know, again, five assists. Nice to see. He was a plus 12. He's a very good defender. We know this. Uh, there's nothing wrong with Dennis Schroeder. I just think the starting five needs more shooting. And, you know, you get three threes in this game from the starting lineup, three of nine overall. Two of them are from OG. Uh, Dennis brings you that other one on a catch and shoot where, you know, notably, the team wasn't really guarding him up at the top of the arc when he took that three. And I think that's going to be a pretty recurring trend. I just don't think Dennis Schroeder is set up for the best success in a lineup where he is playing with one other credible three-point shooter. And I don't think Scotty Barnes, most importantly, is set up for success in a lineup without multiple shooters to help sort of offer space when he is going to be a big part of these handoff actions and a lot of this sort of initiation within the offense. And I just think there's got to be more space there. you got to have more options to play Scotty alongside, you know, in those dribble handoffs where Scotty's the hub and he's working off of a shooter. And we know Gary Trent Jr. is one of the guys who has been the most historically successful as like a two-man duo with Scotty Barnes over their first couple seasons together. 
I just think, yes, you give up a little bit in the ball hand handling department from Dennis Schroeder. I was not terribly impressed by Schroeder and his like blow by ability in this game. That said, he was being guarded by Davion Mitchell. So, you know, we'll have to see more there to have any sort of concrete feelings about Dennis Schroeder and his blow by ability at this point. But I just think if you're not going to have a traditional point guard system anyway, whereas Darko said it's one through four, I think you got to replace some of the ball handling in the form of Schroeder with some shooting and hope that extra space kind of gives you a little bit more optionality in terms of the stuff you can run. Um, I think like the dribble handoff game will get, it's like, it's exponential, right? You add a shooter and it just makes things a little bit easier for everybody. And you saw in this game, as Gary goes for 22 on seven to 12, three to six from deep, you saw the sort of fear he puts in the hearts of defenses. And I think not having him into start games, you're going to have a lot of sort of stodgy starts where yes, the defense will probably be very good, but your offense is not going to quite get humming until you get a little bit more space breathed into the conversation where are you at with uh your level of agreement on my grand sweeping overreaction that it is so obvious gary Trent jr needs to start for this team even though it looks like he probably won't and this is why i wanted to go second i really <laughs> liked what i saw uh with dennis schroeder in the starting lineup and for me it was really refreshing to see someone with genuine speed in that yeah. starting five Sure. And to see his ability to get to the basket, to see, I, I thought he had some really nice actions with Yak where you can see he loves to hit uh, rollers in the pocket. And, you, you know, I, I think that's something uh, that's a needed element on this team. And again, there were just those bursts to the basket where he can see the defender uh, in front of him is kind of on, on his heels uh, or a bit flat footed. And he's just like, all right, I'm getting to the rack or I'm drawing the foul or whatever it may be. Right. I think. I think the way that first quarter played out with him picking up the foul trouble early mm. uh, is kind of how Darko should lean regardless. Where you start out that way, you get Gary in early, and then you can get Schroeder back in to run the second unit. Um, and I think it gives Scotty kind of a way to ease into games a little bit where he knows he has Schroeder there to handle the ball. He can find his rhythm and then... You know, when things are sort of in a flow, then you can have Gary come in. So um, I actually liked what I saw. Yeah, look, it, it, I didn't hate it either, right? Like, I, I think I just prefer the sort of addition of shooting over the addition of kind of downhill ball handling. I don't think either option is necessarily bad. Um, you know, it, it could be that neither offense is good in terms of like creation in the half court or anything like that. But, you know, there are certainly arguments both ways. You know, Dennis is the defense, obviously. Like, you, it, it kind of clears up the concern of, well, who's your point of attack guy, right? Because I don't think you're comfortable with Gary there. You know, Scotty, we talked about this last week on, on the episode with Samson. Like, Scotty, while he might be thrown into the, the sort of fire a little bit and asked to be an on-ball defender, I think he's better served as an off-ball rover type. And Pascal, while I think he kind of probably profiles as a better on-ball guy than Scotty, he's also a very good help defender who did a pretty damn good job guarding Demontis Sabonis in this game. And, you know, you can use Pascal in a bunch of different ways defensively. I think, you know, it becomes easier to kind of slot the defensive assignments in place with Schroeder in there. And like you said, the downhill work with Yak and Pirtle, like Yak will probably be better in lineups with Schroeder than he will be in lineups without Schroeder. But I think just sort of the general health of the team and maximizing space for Scotty Barnes above all is why I kind of go Gary Trent. And of course, these are wild overreactions. Uh, we're, we're, we're trying to lean a little hard into the takes here, but that's kind of where I come down there. Um, 
Do you have any other sort of minor overreactions that you want to dive into before we get into the good, the bad, and the hmm? Uh, minor overreactions. I would probably say, you know, looking at Malachi Flynn, I, w- I was kind of just hoping to see something new. Oh, buddy, we're going to get the Flynn. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I just didn't. And yeah. so I, I just think uh, that situation is going to be what it is. Um, I mean, we'll see how things play out over the course uh, of the remainder of preseason. But uh, first look, it was just, you know, pretty flat overall, I thought. Yeah, um, well, I'll save my Flynn thoughts for the upcoming segment, the middle part of the upcoming segment, probably. Right. Um, for me, you know, hey, if we want to go small sample theater, Scotty Barnes, five of six in the paint. That's great. He fell off significantly from that sort of push shot range last year. And if he's not going to be able to turn the corner on guys, and look, was I disappointed he couldn't quite turn the corner on Keegan Murray in isolation situations or in one-on-one spots? A little bit, but you could also bully him to within six feet of the rim and put up those folder shots, and that's good. Like, that's a way that Scotty can score. It's a thing he's good at. And so, hey, you know, if he can kind of tap back into that and really become efficient in that sort of short mid-range area, that's going to go a long way. Also overreaction, Scotty's not shooting threes well this year. Uh, 0 for 2, uh, you know, missed a long long two as well. Uh, you know, obviously it's one game. We'll see if that touch comes back. But, uh, you know, promising signs, at least when it comes to the interior scoring from Scotty Barnes after drop-offs from literally every area of the floor last year in terms of his efficiency. We'll come back on the other side, get into the good, the bad, and the hmm to round out this game uh, and and our thoughts on it before we uh, head off into a week of teeing up a whole bunch of preseason games that are way in the future. But (laughs) in the meantime, let's tell you better friends over at Jace Medical. Everyone should have the feeling and should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you peace of mind so that you're not just hoping you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical, make sure you have the medication in hand. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing doctor consultation and care with their in-house physicians. Don't get caught unprepared. Get 20 bucks off on these life-saving antibiotics today by from Jace Medical by using the code Locked On at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. All right, we continue on here. Vivek Jacob of raptors.com is here as we dive on into the good, the bad, and the hmm from the Raptors preseason opener. For those who are unfamiliar with this extremely well-named segment, uh, we run through a little thing we liked, a little thing we didn't like, and a little thing that's got us a little curious, perhaps saying the word hmm out loud with progressively more m's at the end of it over the course of the season uh you know kind of a burgeoning trend if you will that we want to keep our eyes on going forward let's begin with the good big v i will cede the floor to you what was your good from this game well the good for me was beyond just liking schroeder with the starting unit was seeing that gary got it done coming off the bench yeah he was awesome (laughs) (laughs) and so i thought he came in with great focus played with great intensity and i think you know, he's talked about how Darko has been in communication more than any coach he's ever had. Uh, and so I think if that relationship uh, is strong, then I think it makes it that much easier for him to buy into uh, that role. And, you know, let's face it, part of why Darko is maybe trying to be so communicative with uh, Gary is because he probably feels deep down that, hey, I'm 
going to need to ask this guy to sacrifice, right? Sure. Uh, and so I think uh, I was really encouraged with what I saw from Gary off the bench. And obviously, we know that was uh, a sore spot for him uh, and has been uh, when he's come off the bench as a Raptor. And so hopefully uh, that is a positive sign going forward. Yeah, I think, you know, if anyone stands to benefit from dribble handoffs being the core principle of the Toronto Raptors offense, it's probably Gary Trent Jr. And, you know, I'm excited to see him. He played a lot of minutes in sort of not very good lineups with like Malachi Flynn and a couple other dudes who maybe you wouldn't have at the top of the rotation depth chart. But uh, I think as he plays with better players, I really want to see more of him and Scotty, more of him and Yak kind of working with one another. Um, you know, and, and we just got to give Gary Trent Jr. credit for being always on brand. 22 points, one rebound, zero assists. The classic Gary line. We love him for it. The man gets buckets, and uh, that's really all he got. All he's, out, all he's out there to do. Boy, I can't say words today. Uh, <laughs> my good, a uh, pretty quick and one. Speaking, I, there were some yeah. improved signs defensively, too. I, yeah. I thought he was a lot more in tune and stayed in front quite a bit. Yeah, that's, uh, that's going to be huge for sure, especially if he inevitably moves to the starting lineup, as he should. Uh, <laughs> that's, uh, my good, I kind of touched on it quickly, but I thought Pascal Siakam played some awesome defense in this game, really making Demonis Simonis' life miserable. Uh, and I'm really keen on like a bounce-back defensive season for Pascal. Not to say he was bad last year, because he still remains one of the smartest, most in-tune defenders on the team. And when he really kind of musters it, He's awesome, especially as like a help side rim protector and whatnot. Um, but in this game, like Simonis is a load. He's he's huge. He's strong. And I thought Pascal did an awesome job just kind of keeping him from getting to the spots he wanted to get to, harassing him with like really good sticky hands, poking balls loose. Uh, really enjoyed Pascal's work on Simonis. Also a quick good to Mohamedou Gay, who uh, seems like he might be kind of fun and probably is not going to play for the Raptors at all this season. But dude can jump. Dude has a little bit of touch. He had a beautiful little Euro step button. Bucket that was beautiful. Uh, a beautiful little Euro step bucket that was beautiful. Uh, I am just the thesaurus man today. Monday morning. Hell yeah. Tuesday, but Tuesday yeah. Morning. Feels Monday for sure. Uh, yeah. Loving me some Mohamedou Gay. I would like to see him get some run with the 905 down there. He's on an exhibit 10. So again, unlikely he makes the team, but who knows? Maybe things break right for him. Let's get to the bad. I already kind of teased mine, man. Malachi Flynn, brother. Like, just not there, man. I just don't like. Yeah, he had five assists in this game. He played twenty minutes. Like he got a lot of run. The shot making still is not there. One of six from the field. One of four from deep. Some kind of baffling turnovers and just like a lack of command of the offense. And just like a couple of times where you know he has the ball up top, you would figure this is the time to run like a classic pick and roll with the guy whose whole thing was I run pick and roll and just kind of just like dribbles the life out of it for a little while someone has to come and save the possession i just i don't see it with malachi flynn do you think there is any sort of foreshadowing here and him playing 20 minutes in this game of him actually getting some like legitimate backup point guard run in darko ryakovich's rotation or was this just a preseason game where you're going to see what you got in malachi flynn um i think there's definitely an element of uh see let's see what you got but I, I do think he'll probably figure in. I think, you know, when you even go back to the comments that Masai made after uh, the firing of Nick Nurse, it was kind of like, hey, we wanted to see more of Malachi. We wanted to see more of Delano, and that didn't happen. And, you know, uh, 
if we're not going to win as many games, we got to at least <laughs> try and develop our guys. And sure. so I think uh, there will definitely be an added focus on that. And obviously we've seen Darko also say that he wants his uh, bench rotation to be four or five guys deep. Yep. And so I do think that Malachi will get opportunity. And uh, if he throws it away, I, I don't think this season it'll be due to a lack of minutes. I'll put it that way. That stresses me out. Uh, thinking about more Malachi Flynn minutes, I'm not terribly keen on the idea. I, I just don't think he has it, man. And like, maybe I'm being too dismissive after one preseason game, but we have three years now of him just kind of not having it. And I, as much as like the development thing with Nick Nurse was like, yeah, I get it. That was a real thing where he did not play his guys enough and give them enough runway to figure things out. Delano Banton and Malachi Flynn are probably the two guys for whom I like don't think it was Nick Nurse's fault as much. Like I just kind of think Delano Banton didn't really have many transferable skills to being a role player at the NBA level. And Malachi Flynn just doesn't really do anything at a terribly high level. And we have now, you know, three seasons of, yes, it's all small sample little windows of him playing, but the larger picture is that Malachi Flynn just doesn't really bring winning positive minutes to the floor when he's out there. And, you know, while I understand the compulsion to maybe want to play him more this season to see what you got in the last year of his rookie deal, he's also 25 years old, and you kind of maybe just have to accept, accept sometimes that it's not there for everybody, and you can't just, you know, say, we're going to develop this guy and have the guy develop into something. It's got to be kind of a two-way street, and I don't think Malachi Flynn, in the minutes he's gotten in his time, has met the Raptors in the middle, as it were, with some play that would then inspire more minutes for him. And so, you know, it's one preseason game. We'll see, but uh, not terribly inspired by Malachi Flynn in this one, despite the five assists. Uh, you know, that's what you'd hope to get from a point guard who gets 20 minutes of action running the offense. Um, let's go to the hmm, round it out there. What you got for your hmm, Big V? Um, did I do a bad? Oh, did you do a bad? No, we just we lingered on Malachi Flynn. Sorry. What's your bad? <laughs> uh, yeah, so with Malachi, for me, I'm leaving it in that sort of minor overreaction for now. Sure. Let's see how um, things go. For my bad, I have the center position. I, I think right. after Jakob Pertl, uh, you know, to see Thad Young in there by necessity uh, is not encouraging, right? I mm. think uh precious being hurt um christian coloco really you know no timeline we don't know what's going to happen there obviously wish him the best but mm -hmm. i think that is a major concern going into this season right the fact that coloco missed summer league with this same issue and now here we are yeah um three months later and it seems no closer to being resolved i mean i hope it is yeah uh but the fact that there's no timeline suggests you know we, we really don't know what's happening here so i think that is a concern for sure uh and then i would say even you know when precious returns there's been a lot of talk about what he could potentially provide from the elbows and that high post action mm -hmm. um i think that's going to be an interesting experiment um and by interesting i not too <laughs> enthused by it and so seeing if your hair lights on fire with a bunsen burner is also an interesting experiment <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah i think when you look at the way things are shaping up at the center position uh it's not great bob 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think I'm a little less concerned because you're going to have 30 to 33 minutes a night devoted to Yak, right? If he gets hurt, boy, it's trouble. Um, but I think, like, he's going to soak up a lot of those minutes. And I frankly am pretty bullish on, you know, small ball Scotty, small ball Pascal lineups to kind of, you know, sort of tide them over. Um, that said, we'll get into my hmm, and that hmm is Thad Young being used properly as a small ball center. Oh my goodness, the, the 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 very positional change that inspired all the graphics about how only he, Magic Johnson, and LeBron James have averaged 12.5, 5.8, and 4.4, whatever the hell. Uh, <laughs> it's back, right? You know, he was used as a small ball five in this game. I think if you're going to run a lot of dribble handoff, he's a good passer. He's someone you can actually use from those spots. Is he going to have the same threat of a Scotty Barnes getting downhill on those keeper plays? Certainly not, but he's a good playmaker. He sets good screens, which I think is something that's kind of lacking on this roster up and down. And, you know, to fill in 15 minutes, maybe that's a little much, but 10 minutes in a night for Thad Young playing small ball five, a position where the best stretches of his late career have come by far. You know, they're not sticking him in the corner asking him to take threes that everyone knows he's not going to hit. I think it's actually like a proper usage of Thad Young. Am I ready to say that he's the answer at small ball five or his backup five yet? Certainly not. He doesn't bring a lot of rim protection, obviously. He you know, certainly brings like, you know, iron fists. He had a couple possessions where he just kind of swatted the balls at a dude's hands, and that was great. Um, but I actually was kind of encouraged by Thad Young's minutes at the small ball five. Plus nine in his minutes, two points, three boards, two assists, a steal. You're not asking for a ton there, but as someone who can kind of keep the gears of the offense moving as a small ball five with some playmaking chops, I'm all for it. Let me see it. I, I, you know, If you're going to have Thad Young on the team, use him the way he has been used best over the last five years or so in the NBA. Nick Nurse did not do that. I'm excited to see that Darko Ryakovich is maybe kind of tapping in to the stuff that Thad Young's been successful at in the past. Uh, Big V, for you, what is your hmm? So my hmm is actually, you know, uh, you're good about Pascal. And so All right. are we, you know, with the way the offense is functioning now, uh, hopefully less of a load on his shoulders, um, are we going to see him revived defensively right mm -hmm. i think uh we both believe that he can be a very good defender um and definitely tailed off last season but uh i think with the way things are shaping up with the offense it alleviating kind of uh his load maybe managing his minutes better as well uh what does that mean for his defense that's for me going to be in the hmm category until we actually see it in the regular season yeah, I, uh, I'm excited to see you too. Uh, perhaps I got a little over my skis with Pascal's back to bubble-level defense. Uh, <laughs> never forget, Pascal in the bubble, awful offensively. He was uh, the exact opposite level of good on defense. They do not make it game to Game 7 against Boston without his insane defense as the only person uh, with any sort of size or length in those teensy-teensy lineups they were rolling out there. Um, but we can leave that for now. Uh, that's going to do it for today. Thanks so much, Big V. It was lovely to talk about a game. A game! Not off-season rumors and subterfuge. A bloody game. It was awesome. Big V, what you got for the people as far as things to promote? Well, quickly, I just want to give a shout out to, you know, Grady Dick getting his first bucket. Yes. Uh, great chance. Great uh, atmosphere in Vancouver. So mm -hmm. uh, just a fun time overall. Um, quickly, I liked uh, what I saw from McDaniels. I liked what yep. I saw from Boucher. So mm -hmm. uh, encouraging signs there. And then in terms of what I have to promote, um, 
yeah, just uh, check out uh, my usual Raptor stuff. Uh, I'll post it all on Twitter so you can find it there. And if you're into cricket at all, I am all in on the cricket coverage right now. It's the World Cup that's on. Uh, Pakistan is playing Sri Lanka right now. And uh, it's shaping up to be a pretty good game. Thank you for uh, taking the time to talk to me about the Raptors when I know your true love is ongoing at the moment. So uh, <laughs> it's much appreciated. Oh, also play in the V. Your 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 cricket uh, newsletter is that what we're, Substack? Yes. yes. Go exactly. subscribe to Big V's cricket coverage over there at Play in the V. And we will leave it there. Thank you so much for uh, tuning into the show. You can find me at Woodley Sean. You can go and find the show on Instagram at Lockdown Raptors. And obviously the Discord is where you want to be. Link is in the description. We got over 210 sickos in there now. It's going to be a great place popping off going into the season and uh, looking forward to hanging out there with each and every one of you during games. We'll leave it there. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday as Katie Heindel is back from California and returning to the podcast. Very excited about that. Uh, you can also check out last week's catalog of episodes, including Thursday's show with Samson Folk digging into the defense of the Raptors. thought that was a really good one. You can go and check them all out and uh, tell a friend, subscribe, etc., etc. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday. Thanks so much for hanging. Bye-bye. 